Welcome back to Our Soul, a podcast by Faith Choice Ohio, Ohio's faith voice for choice. Here we are again with Our Soul. We're so glad that you've joined us again for another episode. We have some really fantastic news, some great information to share with you about a wonderful set of articles that appeared in The Nation magazine, a national publication this week that featured our work here at Faith Choice Ohio and particularly the work of my co-host Kelly Fox. We did want to acknowledge in this space though that we're recording just a couple days after a really horrendous series of tragedies in our nation. We come to this space so often after a weekend fraught with violence and our hearts are with those who suffered and those families of those who died in Buffalo, New York at the hands of what is so clearly the product of white Christian nationalism. Mm -hmm. This racialized violence that seems to have no end in the American experience. And also during the weekend, the violence that erupted at a church in Laguna Hills, California that ended with the death and critical injury of multiple Asian Americans. It is a heavy thing to come into the space and consistently feel compelled to speak the same concern again and again against this white Christian nationalism. We will continue, of course, to speak and to act and to educate and agitate against white Christian nationalism and for true liberation for all people. And we are also very, very tired in this moment. There have been a lot of hot takes shared, a lot of very uninformed in the moment statements made, and we're not about that today. So we are going to acknowledge those tragic events. We are gonna let them sit within our consciousness as a culture and a society and we are going to continue in the work that we are doing in this space, holding all of these things together, even while we allow ourselves to process and grieve. Um, yeah, and I think, and I just want to say before we move into, you know, talking about this uh, Nation article, uh, I think a lot of us are tired. I know I myself as a um, black femme am really tired of having to you know think about like what places are safe for me and having those places be consistently uh, limited uh, but in this space where I do have an, an an amount of control and support in making decisions that are best for my mental health um, I am grateful for the ability to not focus on this for this episode um and just to just to acknowledge it and to move to something that you know had this weekend not <laughs> had this moment of another attack on um, people of color uh this would have been a really great podcast episode that like didn't have to be tainted with this um grief um so I'm grateful that uh, we can make the decision in this moment for something that's best for my mental health and that I can make my therapist proud by choosing not to do something that I know will uh, 
make me more sad. So um, I appreciate y'all for, you know, being willing to not <laughs> talk about this issue. Um, and we get to talk about something nice and uh, some much needed attention on, on work that we do that's really important. Uh, so yeah, that's just what I wanted to say on that before we, before we move to talking about this nation article. And the work that is featured in the latest article, um, in the nation, it's the cover article for those of you who are able to run out and grab the May 30th, June 6th, um, issue of the nation. The article is entitled the fight for abortion after Roe falls the subtitle is, It Will Be a Battle with 50 Different Fronts. And Amy Littlefield is the author of this article. And we we knew this article was coming out. We, we worked with um, Amy on multiple fronts with this article. Really a behemoth undertaking. Very long mm-hmm. article. But it leads off with the work of... Uh, the work of us here in faith choice ohio of of elena ramsey and kelly fox i I just want to read the first part of this article because i i just i love amy littlefield's writing and i love how she captures this this whole dialogue this conversation she attended a training that we do called self-managed abortion in good faith back in september and this is how she opens her article She says, one afternoon last September, 20 activists logged on to Zoom to learn how to support people who manage their own abortions with pills. Some wore clerical collars, some wore t-shirts. Elena Ramsey, her black hair piled on her head and a cross visible on the wall behind her, welcomed them with a call for faith communities to fight the stigma around abortion. Then she and a colleague, Kelly Fox, outlined the steps involved in inducing a medication abortion while an orange cat licked its paw in the background of Fox's screen. I thought that was so remarkable because I'm sitting here really excited that our work's being featured and then BAM! Florence the Cat gets a feature in The Nation magazine, right? (laughs) Like, this animal who... I have seen in the background of just about every Zoom call that we have done um, here on this podcast, uh, this beautiful creature of leisure and care and compassion that that dwells in Kelly's house. Um, Or I guess, Kelly, you dwell in Florence's house. Um, The the image that is is put next to the self-managed abortion training of just nature of everyday human life of this domestic reality that self-managed abortion is as normal as a cat laying down and licking its paw right like Mm -hmm. self-managed abortion is absolutely essential it's part of ordinary normal boring healthcare in our world shouldn't be stigmatized and we're talking about it in these spaces that are relaxed that are welcoming that are accommodating I just thought that was beautiful. Yeah, no, I um, definitely uh, enjoyed seeing my cat being featured in this in this article, <laughs> and I think it does really capture like the the kind of 
space that we're trying to create with the self-managed abortion and good faith trainings is like a place where like, you know, you don't have to come with your notebooks and like take a note on every single thing that we're saying. We're going to give you access to the information later so you can be in a relaxed environment and just like learn. And, you know, it's, it doesn't have to be as stigmatized or as, um, you know, like heightened as many people might think that it would be, you know, I think originally before we had our original training to become trainers, um, that like self-managed abortion just sounded like something that would be scary and like complicated and, and something that I would be afraid that I couldn't do right, you know, or, or information that I don't think I would be able to portray in the right way. Um, but now having done this training for a while, um, and having pretty much memorized how to, how a person would do a self-managed abortion, um, it, it doesn't have to be, you know, it doesn't have to have all this pressure around it. And I do think that like putting the work that we're doing around self-managed abortion and in general, just like the work that we're doing to protect abortion access for as many people as possible um like having Florence in there is a great way to you know kind of bring it down to earth it can feel very heady and can feel very like uh complicated but then you just have you know in the back of all of all of my zoom calls Florence is just there she's not there right now but she probably will be, honestly, before the end of this uh, podcast recording is done. Florence Florence is a great example of, uh, you know, informed consent and bodily autonomy because Florence does what she wants. Florence goes where she wants and doesn't mm-hmm. go where she wants. I I think for me, it's, it's so beautiful because it shows a, a scene of domestic reality that all of us mm-hmm. have experienced in the pandemic, especially that like... Our homes have now become the place where often we do work, often we do lots of things that we didn't usually do at home before. And to be able to have the conversation about, you know, you can have an abortion at home. You know, you do not have to go into a physical clinic, um, into a physical space that is ultra sterile and, you know, all all the, the things that come with healthcare, right? I mean, you know, often, um, you know, having to meet a brand new doctor when you engage in that care, having to kind of scope out what the the climate is going to look like, worrying about financial pieces of insurance and other things. Um, you don't have to worry about that when it comes to self-managed abortion if you don't want to, because you can have a self-managed abortion with pills at home today. Um the the discussion that the article lays out around our work it, it focuses our work around this concept of transportation and travel right i mean we know right now that the draft opinion of the supreme court decision that was leaked by politico um it gives us a pretty good idea that the supreme court justices were at least in february poised to totally overturn Roe. And if they do um, completely overturn Roe, we're going to be in a situation where 
the average Ohioan is going to have to travel around 180 to 200 miles to access abortion care one way. And that is, in a best-case scenario, if some of our nearer states don't end up limiting abortion as well. In a worst-case scenario, we could have two, three, four hundred miles between Ohioans and abortion care in a clinic. And that's why the conversation about sitting down with Florence the cat and whatever else you've got <laughs> at home and having your own uh, self-managed abortion with pills at home is so critical because for some people that's going to be the difference between being able to have an abortion and not being able to have an abortion because mm -hmm. our system has created that outcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like, I think some of the, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about like how, how many, how, how good it would be to be able to just have more health decisions at home and I think like, you know, even though obviously with the um, attack on Roe and the impending future that may happen, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, we have like a, a pretty good idea, but like even we don't know for sure what the exact thing is going to be at the end of the day. But anyway, regardless of that the 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 truth is that there are people who are already having to travel pretty far to get an abortion as it currently stands and i think that like there are so many benefits to being able to be at home that like i'm i'm glad that we do this training is basically what i'm trying to say and there's just so much um there's so many benefits to being able to control your own environment and to and to be in a place that you know that you feel comfortable with and to be you know with those pets that may give you um joy or may i know like i have two cats florence and moses moses doesn't jump on things and that's why he's not around as much uh <laughs> but uh they, whenever I'm like not feeling good and I lay down, they come and like cuddle up with me or they're always like nearby. And I know that that's comforting to me. And so when a person is going through any kind of medical procedure, it can be nice to like have those kind of comforts around. And so I think one of the benefits in the fact that we are um, doing this training is because there there are people who want that there are people who need that quite frankly because like travel and hotels and you know the extended um child care needed beyond uh what a person might need with a self-managed abortion um can be really expensive as well <laughs> um and so yeah, I'm just really grateful for the work we're doing and for the fact that we uh, got to share it in this way. Um, I haven't fully, I've read a lot of this article, but I haven't read every single word. I've mostly, I would say in-depth skimmed. <laughs> and um, I know that you were more involved with this process than, than I was. So I don't know if you want to share a little bit more about like what, what that was like. So I think the the article for me has about five articles within it because yeah. there, there's just so much. You so start much. pulling on one strand of a tapestry and it just takes you all over. You know, the the conversation that that we've had around practical support for individuals seeking abortion care. 
Um, we here in Ohio have not had that conversation alone, and we have not been alone in that dialogue. Um, over the last three years that I've been with Faith Choice Ohio, we've certainly seen an uptick in individuals seeking assistance for care, not only mm -hmm. financial assistance for their procedure, which you know we refer them to abortion funds and also to local congregations, but looking for someone to drive them to the clinic, looking for someone who will be able to watch their kids, looking for someone, you know, a, a group of people who will be able to maybe help with meals. I mean, like mm -hmm. those very real practical things that are so well situated in faith congregations, whether that's, you know, synagogues or churches or mosques or, you know, um, communities of, of gathering, ethical communities, those conversations around how can we help you are really rooted best in those community organizations. And those community organizations are really organized well state by state. So like our other, what we used to call our state affiliate um, friends in the Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice, um, Indiana RCRC, Kentucky RCRC, New Mexico RCRC, California RCRC, all of these different uh, state branches help do that work and what this article goes into is really the the misstep i believe on the part of some national organizations namely national NARAL uh, and national rcrc because those organizations made a decision to step away from their state affiliates they made a decision to try to cut off their state affiliates from um, relationship with the national organization and they did that at a time when the fight for abortion justice is moving into the states. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we at Faith Choice Ohio made the decision to leave National RCRC because of a myriad uh, of things. We'll go ahead and link in the show notes our disaffiliation letter. And you can read all about that uh, experience there. Um, there was a, a lot of co-option of our work and just behaviors that we really couldn't abide um, in that relationship. We made that decision um, long before the decision was made by the national organization to just cut off all of the state affiliates. Mm -hmm. So now all of these state affiliates have banded together and said, you know what, we are a network and it's not your role uh, to disband us. You don't have the right to get rid of our connections with each other because the connections we have state to state are the most important and frankly they're going to be the most useful in the coming days, right? When we have to transport people out of Ohio to get care somewhere else, our main connection is not going to be to Washington DC, it's going to be to whatever state we're trying to send people to or receive people from depending on the state of play in, in our given location. So this article really goes into that discussion um, around state affiliates. And I, I just want to share um, one quote in this article from our good friend over at NARAL. <laughs> I always say NARAL. They're not NARAL anymore. They are pro-choice Ohio. Um, after separating from the national organization pro-choice Ohio, whose executive director is Kelly Copeland, she has this quote in the Nation article, and it's about criminalization, right? We, we know that people who have abortions are going to face increased criminalization. Um, you know, 
folks are trying to make abortion illegal in Ohio, and they're targeting patients. So Kelly Copeland says this, how do you disrupt the criminalization of people effectively without being in the community? You can't do that sitting in an office in D.C. Mm-hmm. Solidly, 100% correct. That while we appreciate all of the work of national organizations and national organizing in terms of their interface with um, you know, na- the national legislature, the presidency, all that stuff, the work is in the states. When our people begin to face criminal charges for seeking health care, they're going to need faith communities to support them spiritually and financially, and they're going to need organizations like ours and like Pro-Choice Ohio to disrupt the criminalization of their bodies and disrupt that narrative in the local community. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're gonna be about doing in addition to making sure everybody has the information they need to access the care they desperately deserve. Mm -hmm. And and I think like even and like as I'm as I'm thinking about this moment that we're living in and have been living in for the last two years, like even though like in the last two years I haven't been able to have as much connection with people like physically, like getting to meet more of the community in Ohio in the time that I've gotten to work here, like still there there are things that I as an Ohioan know about living in Ohio and can understand about living in Ohio that like people who are living in DC just like don't understand, like don't have the same access to that. Um, what it's like, you know, I'm just thinking about this weekend. Uh, I was, uh, in Circleville and, uh, I got stuck behind a combine and it was taking a very long time to get where I needed to go. And, I don't don't know like that I feel like that's an experience that many people who live in Ohio and probably in a lot of the Midwest um understand but if you are like uh, someone living in the city like that I don't know that may (laughs) that's not necessarily related to uh to uh abortion access specifically but there are like experiences like that that I get that other people don't get or the fact that we have so few uh, clinics in Ohio is something that like I I can understand as somebody who's lived here and who is inundated with Ohio news um, that people who are not here don't understand and I think like that that quote I was actually looking at that quote as you were pulling it up Terry um, from Kelly Copeland um, you like it's really difficult it, if not impossible to disrupt um, the criminalization of people when you are uh, in an office in D.C. or to and, advocate for for that even. Yeah, and and difficult. some people, some people at national organizations get that, right? Mm-hmm. Also featured in this article is uh, one of our national partners, Catholics for Choice, right? Catholics for Choice understands that they have a very important role as not only a national thought leader, but as a national um, organizing hub for efforts in the states. 
but they understand that they have to invest in the states and that investing mm-hmm. in state work is really very beneficial. So we have a partnership with Catholics for Choice to go through a process of education around values clarification and about helping people understand that Catholic views on abortion are not limited to the views of the hierarchy and the views of the magisterium. That ordinary, everyday Catholics are the Catholic Church. And Mm -hmm. those portions of the Catholic Church that are majoritarian, right, that that represent 99% of of the system, they are in large majority pro-choice, in large majority pro-abortion. Um, so the discussion about how we have that national local partnership is really essential. And frankly, faith groups are leading the way because we are finding ways to collaborate that move that conversation forward and don't simply have an either or national or state based um, focus. We know that we need both, but we need balance in both. And right now we need mm-hmm. a lot more state work. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to lift that up. We'll, we'll also put the values clarification training options in the show notes as well. Um, that model, though, I think is, is essential. The idea that folk in the states know what the states need, people on the ground know what support is best for them and their communities, and they should be the ones leading this fight in their local region, in their local community, in their local state. And I mean, I think that like when when thinking about how we move forward, it has to it has to be local. You know, I think I remember a couple of years ago when we were talking about voting and how like all voting is local and how um, like the the stuff that happens in your own neighborhood is essential to like the overall fight um, for justice and liberation for everyday people. Um and I know we have just um, not uh, just a little bit left, um, but I mean, when I'm thinking about like what does the what does the fight for um, abortion access look like after Roe falls, while Roe is falling, currently, whatever, um, you know, I I think it's about the people who get stuck behind combines or the people who uh, you know are out going to pick up their groceries every day and who know about how actually how crazy Ohio weather is um or you know people who like me have an orange cat licking their paw in the background of their zoom videos um and I think those smaller communities and the smaller work that happens there is going to be um what makes the difference as we move forward so um, that is all we have for this week. Um, I hope y'all are taking care of yourselves and making space for your own mental health, um, where you can. And remember that it doesn't have to be stigmatized. It doesn't have to be some big heady thing. You can just be at home. You can be off camera. Or you can have, <laughs> you can have your cat right alongside you. So um, that's it. I'll see you in a couple weeks. See you, everybody.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Our Soul. If you'd like to hear more of our conversations on religion, abortion access, and all things repro, you can find all our episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. For more content, training, and other information, check us out at faithchoiceohio.org.